on the third commandment. And I'll read that third commandment again. It's the text for the sermon. It's Exodus 20, verse 7. Exodus 20, verse 7, where the Lord says, You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will not leave him unpunished who takes his name in vain. In connection with that, we'll read a few passages from Scripture. First from Leviticus 24. Leviticus 24 from verse 10 to 23. Leviticus 24 from verse 10. There read the word of God. Now the son of an Israelite woman, whose father was an Egyptian, went out among the sons of Israel. And the Israelite woman's son and a man of Israel struggled with each other in the camp. The son of the Israelite woman blasphemed the name and cursed. So they brought him to Moses. Now his mother's name was Shelemoth, the daughter of Dibri, of the tribe of Dan. They put him in custody so the command of the Lord might be made clear to them. Then the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Bring the one who is cursed outside the camp, and let all who heard him lay their hands on his head. Then let all the congregation stone him. You shall speak to the sons of Israel, saying, If anyone curses his God, then he will bear his sin. Moreover, the one who blasphemes the name of the Lord shall surely be put to death. All the congregation shall certainly stone him. The alien as well as the native, when he blasphemes the name, shall be put to death. If a man takes the life of any other human being, he shall surely be put to death. The one who takes the life of an animal shall make it good, life for life. If man injures his neighbour, just as he has done, so it shall be done to him. Fracture for fracture, eye for eye, tooth for tooth. Just as he has injured a man, so it shall be inflicted on him. Thus the one who kills an animal shall make it good. But the one who kills a man shall be put to death. There shall be one standard for you. It shall be for the stranger as well as the native. I am the Lord your God. Then Moses spoke to the sons of Israel, and they brought the one who had cursed outside the camp and stoned him with stones. Thus the sons of Israel did, just as the Lord had commanded Moses. And let's now turn to New Testament, Hebrews 10. Hebrews 10, verse 19 to 31. Hebrews 10, verse 19. There we read the word of God. Therefore, brethren, since we have confidence to enter the holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way, which he inaugurated for us through the veil, that is his flesh, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a sincere heart, in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled clean 
from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. For he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stimulate one another to love and good deeds. Not forsaking our own assembling together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another. And all the more, as you see the day drawing near. For if we go on sinning willfully, after receiving the knowledge of the truth, there, is no, lo- there no, no longer remains a sac- sacrifice for sins, but a terrifying expectation of judgment and the fury of a fire which will consume the adversaries. Anyone who has set aside the law of Moses dies without mercy on the testimony of two or three witnesses. How much severer punishment do you think he will deserve? Who has trampled underfoot the Son of God and has regarded as unclean the blood of the covenant by which he was sanctified and has insulted the Spirit of grace? For we know him who said, Vengeance is mine, I will repay. And again, the Lord will judge his people. It is a terrifying thing to fall into the hands of the living God. That's my scripture reading. And seeing the doctrine of the third commandment is summarized in our confession, Lord's Day 36, we'll also read that. Lord's Day 36, that's page 50 in the Psalter Hymnal at the back. Page 50 in the Psalter Hymnal, Lord's Day 36. There the questions are asked and answered. What is God's will for us in the third commandment? That we neither blaspheme nor misuse the name of God by cursing, perjury or unnecessary oaths, nor share in such horrible sins by being silent bystanders. In a word, it requires that we use the holy name of God only with reverence and awe, so that we may properly confess him, pray to him, and praise him in everything we do and say. Is blasphemy of God's name by swearing and cursing really such serious sin that God is angry also with those who do not do all they can to help prevent it and to forbid it? Yes, indeed. No sin is greater. No sin makes God more angry than blaspheming his name. That is why he commanded the death penalty for it. Let us pray before the preaching. Faithful God and Father, thank you that you do not leave us to our own resources, but that you come to us with your word. Bless now the preaching of your word. Endow your servant with your spirit, 
so that he may preach your word faithfully and boldly. Focus our thoughts on your word. Help us to believe it. Write your word on our hearts so that it may guide us in the week ahead and shape our lives. Do all this by the power of your spirit. For Jesus' sake alone. Amen. Beloved congregation of our Lord Jesus Christ, you shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. What do you think of when you hear that commandment? Many rightly think of the abuse of God's name by blaspheming or cursing. However, the tendency is there to look to outsiders in particular. We didn't think of all the blasphemous words they dare to speak. But beloved, to whom did God give the commandment in the first place? To outsiders? No. This commandment is first of all meant for God's own people. It is you and I, as people of God, who are placed under the discipline of the third commandment. It is especially God's people who can sin against this commandment. Why is that so? Well, who knows the name of the Lord? Not unbelievers, but God's people. The Lord has revealed his name to us, his people. And the more I know God's glorious name, the greater the danger that I would abuse it. And therefore, do not look to those outside. On the contrary, let each one of us examine him or herself in the light of this commandment. I preach to you the commandment, do not use the name of the Lord your God in vain. We'll look at four questions. Firstly, what does it mean? Secondly, how relevant is it? Thirdly, how serious is it? And fourthly, what escape is there? Do not use the name of the Lord in vain. First, what does it mean? The third commandment is primarily about uttering the name of the Lord. And then you must especially think of the name Lord with capital letters. Translation of Yahweh. It's the name by which God revealed himself to Moses at the burning bush. One can render the name as follows. I am who I am. I am there. Present. To save. The living God. I do what I promise. I will demonstrate that I am what I promised I would be. And you misuse that name when you mention a name in connection with that which is vain, 
empty, meaningless. In connection with matters that God has nothing to do with. Think of false prophecy. You then claim, thus says the Lord. Well, God has not said such a thing at all. You twist God's words and adapt them to what people like to hear. According to the spirit of the present age. You come with your own thoughts and words and claim they come from God. Take, for example, the current views on gender and sexuality and other moral issues which deviate from God's clear word. How often are those unscriptural views not defended on the basis of the gospel by people who call themselves Christians? What an insult to God. Think also of the false oath. You try to cover up your lies by calling in the name of the Lord. You pretend that you're speaking the truth and nothing but the truth. In this way, God's name is abused in service of the lie. However, brothers and sisters, abuse of the name does not only happen when I use that name inappropriately. The name of the Lord can also be abused without even mentioning the name. After all, what is the meaning of the name in this context? If someone has a name, it means that he is known. His name then refers to what is known about him and his deeds. The word name then is not so much about what someone is called, but what someone is, what someone has done. And this is how it is with the name of the Lord. His name indicates what he is. His name is his fame. His reputation. His name refers to his revelation. What he has made known about himself. The Lord's name has gained content throughout history. His name has become more and more glorious all the time. At creation, his name was already glorious. It became even more glorious through his works of redemption. That's why the Lord made himself known to Moses as Yahweh. He, the Almighty One, is about to reveal himself even more clearly as the one he is, faithful covenant God. He's going to intervene for his people, rescue them with a strong arm from the slavery in Egypt. And the Lord proceeds from one act of redemption to the next. Thus his name is revealed to us even richer in Jesus Christ. As the Son, Christ reveals the name of the Father to his people. He did it in such a way that he could say 
If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. In him the Lord God himself stands before you. Thus the name of the Lord is now fully revealed. You may now know the Lord from the fullness of his word, Old and New Testament, together. Well, beloved, one of the clearest ways of abusing God's name is to blaspheme and curse. We read about it in Leviticus 24. Do you read of a young man who has a Jewish mother and an Egyptian father? The guy received a place among God's people. He got to know the Lord. He saw the mighty deeds of the Lord. How he brought the mighty Pharaoh to his knees. How he forced Pharaoh to let the people of Israel go. He saw how the pillar of cloud accompanied Israel. How the Lord caused his people to pass through the Red Sea on dry ground. While Pharaoh and his army perished in the sea. In short, this man, young man, grew up among God's covenant people and saw God's mighty acts. Despite this knowledge of the Lord and seeing his glory, the fellow dares to belittle the Lord and treat him with contempt. This appears when he fights with an Israelite. He blasphemed the name and cursed, we read. He would have mentioned the name of the Lord. But there is far more to it. Literally it says in the text that he pierced the name. He gives the name, so to speak, a death blow. He declares that God is powerless. The word cursing amounts to roughly the same thing. It means to treat someone as worthless, insignificant, despicable. In his anger against the Israelite, the fellow does not hesitate to attack the God of Israel. Not only does he mention the holy name of God, he also denigrates that name. This according to the idea of that time. If you want to hurt your enemy, then you have to target his God. In this way, you can break the power of the enemy, they thought. Well, this young man says insulting things about the Lord. He despises the name of the Lord. Yes, the Lord himself. The name that is so great and glorious is treated with contempt. Brothers and sisters, this example can help us identify blasphemy also today. And that brings us to the second question, how relevant is it? Well, what does a blasphemer do? He says preposterous things about the Lord. 
He declares that God is powerless. Yes, insignificant. He says that God of yours really means nothing. He is a nothing. He can do nothing. Well, do we not hear similar things being said against the Lord today? People suggest, if the Lord is an almighty and faithful, loving God, where is his help? Yes, where is he? Why all the misery in the world? Droughts, floods, earthquakes, pandemics, war, violence, and you name it. No, in a world full of misery, God appears to be powerless, it's suggested. And thus many people, including people who call themselves Christians, actually see the Lord as being powerless, helpless. He can't do anything about it. While God made himself known in the Bible and in creation and in his work of redemption as the almighty Sovereign God. And let's not just look at outsiders. How do you see and experience the Lord your God? What does the Lord mean to you? It's not just about the way you speak about God, but also about the way you think of him in your daily practice of life. In the practice of your daily life, is the practice of your daily life attuned to your good confession? Yes, I can be faithful in doctrine. But do I practice what I preach in my daily life and struggle? Do I really live in dependence on God, trust in him? I'm not there yet when I reject modern theology which dishonours God. I'm not there yet when I object to the God is dead theory. I'm not there yet when I protest against the denial of Christ's sacrifice to atone for sin. Rejecting those teachings and protesting against them is a good and necessary thing. But with that, I'm not done with the third commandment. Such a conviction must also be evident in my Christian walk. A walk in, of life that gives God all glory. Brother, sister, how are you doing at this point? I can reject the God is dead theory. And yet in practice, live as though he is dead. How can I do that? By ignoring him in my daily life and struggle. By reserving certain areas of life to myself. For example, my money matters. My entertainment my friendships. This can happen by acting as though God is not relevant 
for certain decisions in my life. The Bible clearly says there is no area of life just for ourselves. Even whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. 1 Corinthians 10 verse 31. Otherwise you profane God's name and you confess. The Catechism sums up the positive side of the third commandment with the words, in short, it requires that we use the holy name of God only with reverence and awe so that we may rightly confess him, pray to him and praise him in everything we do and say. Use the holy name of God only with reverence and awe. Thus there is no room for a light-hearted or superficial use of his name. Reverence for God's name, for his self-revelation, implies that I very carefully read what God says in his word. And also faithfully pass that on. This also means that I must guard against lightly tying God's name to my own personal views and opinions. Then I could end up letting God say things that he does not say. Let's be careful not to abuse God's name to advance our own ideas, customs or interests. For beloved, if I today insist that God says this or that and a little time later have to retract my words because I can't defend it on the base of scripture, then I in fact discredit God's name. The worst thing is then not that I'm shown to be mistaken. The worst thing is that I give the impression that God contradicts himself. One time he said this, the other time he said that. Let's then read the scriptures carefully and clarify it with reverence and awe, doing justice to his word in all things so that God's name is not blasphemed because of us but rather honoured and praised. Using God's holy name only with reverence and awe, also excludes the superficial use of his name. The latter occurs when my heart is no longer with it. It's then become for me just an external thing, a going through the motions. My confession and my worship has then become shallow, hollow, a profanity. And now the third point, how serious is it? Well, beloved, in the Old Testament, God decreed that the blasphemer should be killed. Among God's people, there is no place for anyone who blasphemes God and treats him as though he's useless or powerless. Whoever desecrates God's name desecrates God himself. 
And then the rule applies, fracture for fracture, eye for eye, tooth for tooth. Whoever, whoever kills a person shall be put to death. Leviticus 25, 20 and 21. Should not the person who declares God to be dead or tries to give him a death blow, so to speak, should he not deserve death? No sin is greater and provokes God's wrath more than the blaspheming of his name. That's why he's also commanded it to be punished with death. Brothers and sisters, how much more serious is it not in this rich New Testament dispensation? God's name has been revealed so gloriously in Jesus Christ. The word became flesh and dwelt among us. Christ died, rose, ascended to heaven, poured out his spirit. Everything is now much richer and fuller. God's name shines like never before. And through the complete Bible, you now possess the full knowledge of his name. That's how the Lord our God is. Not only did he deliver his people from slavery in Egypt, but in Christ he delivered us from the bondage to sin and Satan. The Lord proved himself to be the one he promised he would be the redeemer of his people. And he continues from one act of redemption to the next until all his promises are finally fulfilled in the new heaven and new earth. And this makes the third commandment all the more serious for us. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. This command is far more urgent. Now that name has been revealed far more gloriously. The letter to the Hebrews points that out when it says in chapter 2, verse 1 to 4, for this reason we must pay more closer attention, much closer attention to what we have heard. For if the word spoken through angels proved unalterable and every transgression and disobedience received a just penalty, how will we escape if we neglect so great a salvation? After it was, it was at first spoken through the Lord, it was confirmed to us by those who heard, God also testifying with them, both by signs and wonders and by various miracles and by gifts of the Holy Spirit according to his will. The Lord will not leave him unpunished who takes his name in vain. He will not leave unpunished those who take his full revelation. Everything is revealed about himself in vain. In Hebrews 10 verse 28 and 29 we read, anyone who has set aside the law of Moses dies without mercy on the testimony of two or three witnesses. How much severer punishment do you think he will deserve 
who has trampled underfoot the Son of God and has regarded as unclean the blood of the covenant by which he was sanctified and has insulted the Spirit of grace. Yes, after the coming of the Son of God, after the shedding of his blood, and after the outpouring of his Spirit, the third commandment is all the more serious. The name that is so glorious can also be deadly. I can be mortally wounded by it. I can burn myself to death by it. It's a consuming fire for those who despise and disregard it. Let's therefore take seriously the holy name of the Lord. Brother, sister, do you show in your lifestyle, also in your language, your zeal for the glory of God's name? Let no profane word come out of your mouth, let alone a swear word, even though the swear words are heard everywhere as expletives. God's name, the names Jesus and Christ, are precious and holy. If God's children don't respectfully use those names and God's revelation, who will then do it? And how can people learn reverence and awe for God's name if we use the name flippantly and inappropriately ourselves? Let us show that the name of the Lord our God is indeed precious to us in our words and deeds. Brothers and sisters, if we examine ourselves according to the strict requirement of the third commandment, we must confess that we too are guilty. Who then can stand before this holy God? And thus we come to the fourth question. What escape is there? What sinner can stand before the holy God? Beloved, only he or she who seeks salvation in Jesus Christ. Christ took the place of me, a sinner. Also in glorifying God's name. He's the only person of whom it can be said that he rightly used confessed, called upon and honoured God's name. He gave perfect glory to God in all things. He did all this as our substitute. He bore the punishment for our abuse of the name of the Lord. In fact, Jesus Christ was condemned to death precisely because of alleged blasphemy. 
After all, Caiaphas, the high priest, said to him, I adjure you by the living God that you tell us whether you are the Christ, the Son of God. And Jesus said to him, You have said it yourself. Nevertheless, I tell you, hereafter you will see the Son of Man sitting at the right hand of power and coming on the clouds of heaven. Then the high priest tore his robes and said, He has blasphemed. What further need do we have of witnesses? Behold, you have now heard the blasphemy. What do you think? And they answered, He deserves death. Matthew 26, verse 63 to 66. Brothers and sisters, with this false accusation of transgressing the third commandment, Jesus was condemned to death. But praise God. Here, Isaiah's words apply. Those words, he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. Isaiah 53 verse 5. He who was silent when he had to be silent and spoke when he had to speak, he died to pay for us who remained silent when we had to speak and who spoke when we should have been silent or should have spoken with fear and reverence. To hallow God's name, you must therefore go to Jesus Christ. You may find shelter in his accomplished work. He also atoned for my transgression of the third commandment. He who is in Christ is free from the curse. For if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old things passed away. Behold, new things have come. 2 Corinthians 5 verse 17. In Christ I am righteous and holy before God. And through Christ I may become more it may become more and more evident that I live for him and give glory to him. Amen. Shall we pray? Father, thank you for making yourself known to us through your word and through your deeds. Thank you for entrusting your full revelation to us. Majestic and awesome is your name. Help us to use your name only with reverence and awe so that we may rightly confess you, call upon you and praise you in all our words and deeds. Yes, Father, this is a tall order for us sinners. Thank you that Christ perfectly honoured and praised you in his thoughts, words and deeds. And thank you that you gave him to us 
to be our substitute. Thank you for forgiveness in his name. And thank you for his spirit and power where we can again start to live up to your holy command. Continue to mould us in Christ's image so that your name may not be blasphemed because of us, but always honoured and praised. Hear us in Jesus' name. Amen.